Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. We're in a series called You Asked For It, and if you, you haven't got a chance to hear any of it, and this is your first time, I encourage you to go online. What we do every year is uh, we, we, we are always in a series. It seems like we're perpetually in a series, and, and I like that because it kind of lets me know where I'm going. It gives me direction, but the truth is, is that I can't preach on every topic that you deal with. You know, there's just no way for me to cover all the issues of life in 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 a 12-month cycle. And so uh, what we do is once a year, we, we send out a survey to all of you. And we ask you to go online and actually fill out the survey and let us know what you want to hear about. What messages uh, 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 most stand out to you in this big list of, of messages? And then, then we turn around and we take the top five or six of those messages and we preach on them. So the first, the number one topic was... Uh, that I preached on the first week is how do I hear God's voice? And I want you to understand that God is still speaking, amen, and that you can hear his voice. Uh, the, The second one is how do I pray? And so if you're like, man, I don't know how to pray. I haven't heard that message. I encourage you, go online and listen to the message. Crystal, last week, she preached an amazing word on how do I deal with stress? Come on, some of you are stressed out even right now, and you need to hear a message on how to deal with stress. And and today we're going to take on a brand, uh, uh, the last one, and uh, uh, I might do one more, but let me fix this. OCD. Okay. So uh, Romans seven fifteen, you got it. Turn, turn in your Bibles to Romans 7.15. Don't worry. If, it, if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it right up here on the screen for you. And, the, and Paul writes this. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Come on, have you ever been there before? Okay, all you super religious people, I'm just going to say that I have been there before, okay? I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because we have a saying here that paper never forgets, you can title this message, How Do I Change? How Do I Change? Lord, I thank you right now for the Word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your Word. They didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Everybody said, come on, a quiet church is a, and we're not a dead church. You're going to help me preach this morning. I said, you're going to help me preach this morning. Okay. How do I change? You know, I think this is a question that every one of us have asked at some point. Come on. And it's not just in January when you think, oh, I got a, a million New Year's resolutions. It's probably something that we think about not just on a, 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 a weekly basis, but sometimes on a daily basis. How do I change? And, and uh, when, when we, I got the results of this survey in, I began to look at it, and this was one of the top ones. And honestly, as your pastor, I, it really just gripped my heart. Because I began to think about the people who clicked and asking this question, how do I change? Because I have been there. 
I, I have been there in that situation where I think, man, how do I change? How do I get rid of this problem? How do I fix this issue? And I just began to pray for you. And I want, but just before I go any farther in the message, I want to get something across to you. And I want you to understand that Jesus loves you just the way you are. Okay, and I understand that we all have things that we need to change. We all have things that we, we deal with that I'm not saying, oh, well, Jesus loves you, so you just get to be however you want, and you keep acting crazy and keep that anger problem. I'm not telling you any of that stuff, but I do want to get this point across to you that Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. See, you got to understand that because it's, it's so important as Christians that we understand that Jesus loves us in spite of our faults and our failures, that he loves us anyway. You know, I was, at a, uh, I was sitting at a red light waiting to make a left-hand turn not too long ago, and uh, I was just kind of minding my own business listening to the radio, and uh, all of a sudden I kind of looked up in my rearview mirror and I see this cloud of smoke coming towards me. And I noticed that in front of the cloud of smoke is a car, and as the car begins to get a little bit closer, you know, you, y'all know the cars that you see smoking, you're like, thanks for doing your part to destroy our environment. And I'm not bashing you, listen, I, I, I grew up driving an old beater, I had an 84 Toyota Corolla that I'm pretty sure was pink, okay, it was... It start, my dad bought it champagne brand new for my mom, and I'm pretty sure when I got it, it was pink. So, uh, but I was proud of that car, so I'm not bashing you if you drive a beater. But, but uh, anyway, so this car, and, I, and I'm watching this car coming. I mean, there's just smoke just pouring out of this car, and I'm thinking, man, what in the world? And as it gets a little bit closer, I notice, man, this noise. Like, it's clanking and making noise, and like, oh, man, this thing sounds like it is rough. Like, is it going to make it? Like, I don't know what's going on. And, and so, and I notice it c- comes a little bit closer, and then, then you can see the, the, the beauty that is this car. Like, it's two-tone mustard yellow. You, y'all know the, I mean, like, ugly. Like, this thing, it looks like they just took whatever paint they could find in the garage and just painted it. Like, it's better than what it was. And so, uh, and it's got dents in it. It's got rust spots in it. It's, it's you know, it's just, it's got all kinds of problems. And, and I noticed something that as the driver passed me, I, I just watched him go by. And it was amazing because he had the biggest smile on his face. He was smiling from ear to ear, like no, no problem, no worries, not thinking anything about it, just smiling, having a good time. And here's what caught, really amazed me. As he passed by me, I noticed something, that he had new, uh, new, uh, new car plates on his thing. So, you know, the things, when you go down to the, and you buy a car, they give you these little plastic things. He had this on his car. That means that he had just purchased this vehicle. And he went down, that means he had to go down to the dealership, and he's looking for a car, and he's, he's kind of cruising around looking, and spots the mustard yellow beauty and says, what about that one? 
And he walks over to it, and it's got scratches and dents, and, and it's ugly, and it's got all of these things, and I can't imagine what the interior, and then he had to crank the car up, because you don't buy a car without starting it, and he noticed probably the smoke billowing out of it, come on, and the horrible sound that's coming from underneath the hood, and still anyway, he said, I'll take it, and not just will I take it, I'll gladly take it, and I'll take it with a smile on my face, and all of a sudden, as I I begin to think about it, I begin to think about that must be the way Jesus thinks about us. Because here's what the deal is. The Bible says that while you were still in sin, while you still had dents in your fender, while you were still smoking like a freight train, while you had all of these issues going on, can I tell you that Jesus looked down and he said, I won't just take it, I'll gladly take it. See, here's the thing is we see imperfections, and Jesus sees potential. Jesus looks at us and says, oh, yeah, I know they're dealing with anger, man. Yeah, she will fly off the handle in a minute at her kids. But guess what? That'll buff right out. Oh, I know that guy's dealing with some lust issues, but guess what? I know that he's committed to a process, and he's not happy just staying where he is, and I know that I can tune that up. See, here's the thing, is Jesus is always looking at your potential when you're seeing your failures. I love, that's what's so amazing about grace. And before I even started this, I wanted to get this across to you, because you can't do anything to deserve grace. You can't do anything to deserve it. It's unmerited. That means you can't earn it. So there's nothing you can change, and there's nothing you can do to earn God's love and God's grace. But still, we understand there's things that we need to change. Come on, slap your neighbor, say, you need to change. Your husband, mainly. Go ahead, your your husband. You need to change. Some of you need to change that shirt. I see that shirt. But here's the thing, is that all of us are dealing with change. And I, and I just want you to hear this, because Paul is writing this letter in Romans. And, and as he's writing, he begins to kind of pull back the veil. And I don't know about you, but Paul wrote, I would call him a super Christian. I mean, here's a guy that, that wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament Come on, he planted churches everywhere, went around the world planting churches, preaching the gospel, got put in prison, got beaten for uh, preaching the gospel, ended up dying for preaching the gospel, and still, here's a man that has all of that, which I would call a super Christian, and he pulls back the veil on his imperfection. And he says, there's things in me that I hate to do. I don't want to do them, and I do them anyway. So if that was you and you thought, how do I change? Because you looked at your life and you think, man, there's things in me that I hate. There's things in me that I don't like. There's things in me that I want to change. Can I tell you that you're in good company? Because if Paul had issues that he needed to deal with and imperfection in in his life, and if I have things in my life, I know that might affect you. You might think, I can't go to that church. He's got issues. Well, I'm just letting you know that I have things in my life. But, But here's the thing is that we all have things in our life we need to change. And so if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've got so much going on. I'm so messed up. How do I change? You're in good company. You know, a lot of people will come to you and they'll say this. Well, if you struggle 
with an habitual sin, meaning that you keep doing something over and over again, and you struggle with this habitual sin, then you're probably not a Christian. And I would like to argue with you that the fact that you struggle with it probably means that you are a Christian. And let me just clarify this, because here's the deal. Before I was a Christian, before I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I didn't struggle with sin. I was good at it. I didn't struggle with it. Struggle with how I was going to do more of it. Are you with me? I didn't struggle. And so the fact that you sit there and you go, man, there's things in me that I hate. And you say, I'll never do, I'm never going to scream at my kids and cuss them out on the way to church again. I'm never going to, and, and you think there's all of these things. I'm never going to do that. And then you do it and you set, you have this feeling saying, man, why do I do that thing that I hate? And you have this thing that's tearing on the inside of you, that struggle that's going. See, here's the thing. It's God is calling you to more. That's what it is. There's this fight on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And he's always going to call you to more. You're better than this. You don't have to do that anymore. Maybe you don't have a sin issue. Maybe you're like, Brian, I don't sin. Well, apparently lying is your issue. Maybe you you don't have something, uh, sin, but maybe you have a habit. Maybe you have a hang-up, something that you need to change, and you know you need to change. But how do you do it? How do you go about changing it? Can I give you some practical things real quick, and then we'll end Number one, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Giving people reasons why you do what you do. Well, you don't understand, Brian. My dad was a womanizer. And my granddad was a womanizer. And so I'm a womanizer. I can't help it. It's just in my DNA. Uh, I can't help it. I come from a long line of family that, that we just have addictions. We, we're easily addicted to things, so there's nothing I can do about it. It's in my DNA. Can I tell you, all you're doing is making an excuse for the thing that you keep doing. And if you really want to change, you need to look at that thing and say, no, I don't care what my dad did. I don't care what my granddad did. I don't care what my mom did. It's not inside of me because the Bible says this, that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means I don't have to do those things anymore because I belong to a new family. Stop excusing it away. I don't know about you, but I'm really good after 37 years at making excuses. I can come up with an excuse for just about anything. Some of you are better than me, and the truth is if there was like an an event in the Olympics for excuse making, you would take gold, no questions asked, every time, like, you would be the best of the best. In fact, you could probably come up with a 1-800 excuse hotline where you just give people excuses because you're so good at coming up with excuses. But here's the thing, is we have to, if we want to change, we have to stop making excuses. There was a man that was driving down the road and he, was, uh, he passed by a police officer and the police officer noticed that he was swerving a little. It was a little bit late at night, so... The police officer got behind him, pulled him over. 
and uh, walked up to the man's car and knocked on the window, and the man rolled down the window, and he said, yes, officer, and as soon as he said, yes, officer, he smelled this horrible alcohol. I mean, like, pretty obvious that his assumption had been right. He'd been swerving, and now he has this smell, and he said, uh, sir, have you been drinking? He said, no, sir. Well, uh, the reason why I pulled you over, the officer said, is because, well, you were swerving a little bit, and I can now smell that you smell a little bit like alcohol, so have you been drinking? He said, no, sir. And he noticed there was a cup in between the man's legs, and he said, what, what, what do you got there in that cup? And he said, nothing, just water. He said, okay, would you mind if I see the cup? And he said, yeah, sure. And so he hands him the cup, and the officer tastes a whiff of it and smells it, and he's like, no, that ain't water, and he pours it out. And he notices that it's not the same color as water. And he says, sir, this isn't water. This is wine. The man calmly replied, well, it looks like the Lord did it again. (laughs) Come on. He turned water into wine, brother. I can't help it. It's what Jesus did. Here's the thing is that we get really good at making excuses and we can excuse our issues away. We can excuse it. We can come up with something. We can blame it on the church. We can blame it on the pastor. You can blame it on that sorry husband. You can blame it on those sorry kids. There's something that you can come up with. But here's the thing is the issue is not with them. The issue is with you. And if you want to really change, you got to get to the root of the issue and look on the inside and say, what's the problem with me? I I know people that will quit job after job after job, and they're miserable at every job. And here's the thing, is it's not the job's fault, it's your fault. Misery's in you. Hmm. And you keep making excuses and blaming everybody else. But the truth is, is there something on the inside of you that you need to look and you need to say, you know what? I have a problem with authority. Stop making excuses. Number two, set yourself up for success. Set yourself up for success. In 2 Timothy 2.22, says this, flee also youthful lust." But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Here's what I want to focus on right now. Flee also youthful lust. See, it's important to know what triggers you to fall. It's important for you to know what triggers that sin, what triggers that issue, what triggers that habit. You need to know the issue, and you need to know what triggers that issue. You know, my Nana, she was, uh, she's a great woman. I, I call my grandmother Nana, and uh, don't make fun of me. I know I'm 37, but she's still my Nana. And uh, anyways, but she, she would, uh, every Monday she would start a new diet. And then by Tuesday or Wednesday, she was off the rails on a crazy train, right? And eating whatever she wanted. And this, I'm talking about, this didn't go on like weeks. This went on for years, Honestly, it's still going on today. <laughs> and it amazes me because here's the deal. is my, my grandmother has very good intentions. And so she quits everything on Monday, and I'm going to behave. And by Wednesday, she's back on it. Because here's the thing. is my, my grandmother has a serious addiction to Almond Joys. There, I, I, I don't get it. I don't like coconut. 
but she loves Almond Joys. Like, she is a fan. Uh, it's like Nana Crack, okay? It's, she loves Almond Joys. Don't get around her. She will tackle you for an Almond Joy. But, but, but she loves them, and here's the thing is she kind of has them all over the house. And she'll quit eating, and I'm going to behave myself on Monday. And the reason why she falls back into that temptation on Wednesday is because she doesn't get rid of the thing that tempts her. She keeps the almond joys in the house. She keeps the almond joys where she can get to them, where she can reach them. Because even though she has great intentions to quit and to behave herself and to start eating healthy, by Tuesday or Wednesday she's eating almond joys again because the thing that tempts her is still around her. Here's the deal is that some of you keep falling back into the same thing over and over and over again because you won't get rid of the temptation. That's, you keep it right there in your life. Some of you are like, well, I don't have a problem with almond joy addiction, but maybe you have a problem with, come on, looking at the wrong thing on the internet. So maybe your thing is not an almond joy, but maybe your thing is a computer. Oh, man, this is popular. Maybe your thing is a phone number in your phone, and you got that boo thing that calls you at 2 in the morning. And you keep it in there just in case this other relationship doesn't work out. I'm just going to keep it just in case. And you have this fallback thing and you know that you shouldn't, but you end up calling it at 2 in the morning. Some of you, I'll give you permission right now. Pull out your phone and you need to remove that temptation by hitting delete. See, I don't know what you're dealing with and I don't know what your issue is, but there's every one of us has a trigger that pushes us into our weakness. What's your trigger? And when you find your trigger, set yourself up for success. The Bible says this, to flee youthful lust. Well, I don't have a lust problem. Lust can be anything. You can, you can, it's something that controls you or something you can't control. It's not just, not just sexual sin, it's anything. Some of you girls, man, you can't control the way you spend money. You walk into North Park and you black out and you wake up in a pile of receipts. You're like, what happened? I have the same thing. I go to Rosa's to eat, and I wake up, and there's just tortillas, <laughs> chips and tortillas everywhere. I'm like, what happened? I blacked out. You ate 18, 18 burritos, man. So good. But there's something that triggers a weakness, and we must identify those in, to set ourselves up for success. Number three. We must learn to fill the void. 2 Timothy 2.22, I go back to it. It says this, flee also youthful lust, but, come on, somebody say but. Come on, say but. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. See, it's not enough just to run from something. You have to be pursuing something else if you want to have success. It's not enough just to, oh, well, this is something I struggle with. This is an issue in my life. I'm going to run from that every time. What are you pursuing to take its place? See, what are you pursuing? What are you putting in the place of whatever it is? You know, uh, my mother-in-law, she uh, was a chain smoker for a lot of years. And uh, don't worry, I ain't touching your cigarettes. You can smoke if you want. I'm, that's not against, this isn't a message against that. But she was a chain smoker. She loves to smoke. And, uh, but she realized that, you know what, it's not exactly a healthy choice in, in her life. And so she decided, you know what, I'm going to quit. And so she would quit 
And then, come on, anybody, I, I dip snuff for 10 years, so I understand it's not, it's a hard habit to kick. And, and just like every, every, you know, person that quits smoking or dipping or whatever, they end up starting back up by the end of the day. Come on, you're like, well, I just got to get to a store, I need a smoke, or I need a, whatever it is. And so that's what she ended up doing. She'd throw out cigarettes, and then she would come back, and by the end of the day, she was stopping at the convenience store and getting another pack of cigarettes. And and uh, it, it, this went on and on and on. And finally, somebody told her, you know what? You need to fill the void. Don't just quit cigarette smoking. Fill the void. Well, my mother-in-law loves peppermints. So what she did was is she went in and she put peppermints everywhere. She had peppermints in her ashtray. She had peppermints in the, uh, come on, by the kitchen sink. She had them in her pocket. She had them in the purse. She had them anywhere she could think that if, if there's a trigger and something, I want a cigarette, she had a peppermint to put in its place because she knew that if she wanted to be successful at changing, she had to fill the void with something good. And so that's what she did. And this went on and on. And now 17 years and she smoked free because she was willing to fill the void with something that wasn't harmful here's the thing is what are you pursuing what are you going I know that you have that thing that you need to quit doing but what are you pursuing to take its place See, we got to have things that we begin to pursue. If you need to renew your mind because you're not looking right, what are you pursuing? You need to start reading the word of God. Start changing your mind, start changing the way you see things. What are you pursuing? Number four, don't do it alone. Again, 2 Timothy 2.22, it's got all we need. It says this, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. What's this next word? With those. Huh? With those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, here's the thing. Is it's written right here. It says this, yeah, flee, run away from what that thing that triggers, that thing that gets you every time. Run away from that, that's good. And be pursuing something better while you're doing it. Don't just run away, but pursue something better. And then it says here is a key with those. Meaning this, I don't want you to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be by yourself. Here's the thing is I know we, you'll hear this over and over and over again because we believe in it so much. We believe in community groups at this church. We just launched a brand new semester. You can get plugged in. The reason why we believe in it is because of scriptures like this. It says, don't do it alone. I know that you're jacked up. I know you got issues. I know there's things wrong with you. And you're afraid that if I go in and I begin to show somebody a weakness or something in my life, that they'll think less of me. But the truth is, is that every one of us deal with things in our life. And here's, we need people to gather around us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to tell us, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this. Don't do it alone. Find somebody that can help you get over your issues. You know, there was a, a young man and a young woman who got married. And uh, come on, when you get married, you know how broke you are. Crystal and I, we had nothing. Like, we look, I look back on it. We had a broke coffee table. That I don't even know why we had it, but it literally leaned over to the, the back end. So you couldn't set anything on it because it would fall off. But hey, we still had a coffee table. 
Everything was given to us. We didn't have any money. But they didn't have any money, and they were working kind of, you know, just jobs that just barely paid the bills. But they know they knew they needed to cha- they needed to save some money. They wanted to save some money, so they made a plan. They went down and they got this massive jug, and they said, "Here's what we're going to do: is every day we're going to come in and we're going to empty our change into our into this jug. And that's all, all we can do. We don't have big bills." We don't have anything that we can say, but we can do this. So they would come in day after day and empty the change. Empty the change. She she would empty her purse. He would empty his pockets. And this went on for years. And one day she found out that she was pregnant, so they went to the doctor. And they got to hear the baby's heartbeat. But something shocked them even more than that was the bill. Come on, somebody, you've ever had a baby. It's so expensive to have babies. They, they were like, I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. We're barely paying our bills. And then they remembered the jug. And they thought, I wonder how much is in that jug. So they went to the bank, and they found out that there was exactly enough in that jug to pay that doctor's bill. Well, why do I tell you that? Because I want you to know that it's small amounts of change on a daily basis that make a big difference. And here's the thing. You gotta understand that you're gonna fall. You're gonna fall short. You're gonna fail. You're gonna mess up. But here's the thing. Is you get back up. You don't beat yourself up. You get back up and you say, you know what? I messed up, but thank God. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. God, today I start fresh. I don't have to start over. I start fresh. And I say, God, I'm going to continue in the process. I'm going to continue to make small changes on a daily basis that will eventually change my life, that will impact my life. That's how we change. We stop making excuses. We set ourselves up for success. We fill the void. And we get somebody in our life to help us along. Stand on your feet. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.